the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Coming up this hour, we're excited to bring the Lyft Conference into our studio today. You're listening to The Common Good. Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, alongside Aubrey Sampson. My name is Brian Fromm, and Aubrey, today is a is this a is super so fun. special day. This is so fun, so special. I have taken so many uh, selfies and group photos. Tell them why, Brian. Yeah, usually uh, here at AM 1160, we do something called the Lift Conference. It's to lift the spirits and to encourage pastors, and we'll do it out at churches or other venues. Today, we're bringing our panel into our studio. So fun. To do a show together. So fun. And specifically to talk about uh, the church coming out of COVID. Yep. If you listen to the show, you know Aubrey and I are both pastors as well. And so we we want to bring in a group of pastors, and we're going to talk about what's the state of the church, what's the struggle coming out of COVID, but more so, Aubrey, we want to turn hopeful. That's right. Where's the future of the church heading. And so uh, really thrilled to have three great pastors with us today. I'm going to give you their names and we're going to have them introduce themselves. We have Brian Nelson, Tara Beth Leach, and Romel Williams. Guys, thanks so much for being here. Brian, let's start with you. Give us a little short introduction. Reader's Digest version. Tell us about yourself. Yeah, so good to be here. So I'm a pastor over at the Bridge Community Church. So we're in Des Plaines and my prospect and Chicago. And I work for Slingshot Group as well, placing uh, men and women into churches. And yeah, excited to be here. This is a conversation that I've actually had with people from the station here. And so now we're on air today having the same conversation. Fine. Hopefully right. it's going to be a good time. Very That's cool. right. Really excited to unpack this with us all. Uh, Ramel, Ramel Williams, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, Romel Williams. I am the senior pastor at the Progression Church, uh, formerly known as Lilydale Progressive. Baptist Church there in the Roseland community on the south side of Chicago. Uh, I am also the associate director of preaching workshops for the Simeon Trust. So I travel nationally and internationally trying to train uh, men how to handle the Word of God better. And so I'm super excited to be here. Yeah. This uh, conversation is much needed and uh, I'm excited. Oh, great. Well, great to have you. And mm-hmm. I'm going to have uh, envy for Ramel's voice for being radio and a pastor. It's it's just wonderful. I'm it done. I'm going to leave at this yeah, point. There you, yeah, go. Right. there you go. And our third panel is Tara Beth Leach. Tara, it's wonderful to have you. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I get to serve as a pastor at a church called Christ Church in Oak Brook. We have a couple of different campuses. I work with the discipleship ministry, uh, missions, and also preaching and teaching. And then I also I get to help women um, mm-hmm. in their journey in ministry. I work awesome. with a ministry called Propel Ecclesia, um, a coaching and cohort-based ministry that helps mm-hmm. women thrive in their call. Yeah, so so good to have you guys mm-hmm. here. Uh, Aubrey and I love to talk to each other, but sometimes it gets tiresome, right? Like sometimes <laughs> hey, it's good to have new people I understand people her here. side of that. I'm, I'm starting to <laughs> Thank you, Brian. And, 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 and I'm just grateful I have another Brian on the show, so it's wonderful. <laughs> Ramel, it. let me start with you. Let's ask this question. We're trying to talk about... 
the future of the church. But we can't really talk about where the church is heading without first going, where have we been? And especially, I'd like to think we're coming out of COVID. Apparently, we're not really. But coming out of COVID and all that we've been, tell us about your church. How have the last two, three years been? How have things changed throughout uh, the COVID time period? Uh, So my church is a very interesting congregation. People ask me, what's the predominant um, age group in your church? I tell them that we have everything from death to diapers. (laughs) Uh, That's my comedic answer for that. But our church has been affected just like every other church, but we've had to navigate it in interesting ways. Mm. Uh, One of the major concerns when COVID hit was a lot of seniors in the context of my congregation who were completely cut off because of being technology Mm. resistant. Mm. Yeah. So uh, I had to sit down with my staff and I had to say to them, we are in a very interesting place. We are not as far forward as we need to be, but we're not in the dark ages Mm. and we need to take this, crisis as an opportunity to press forward as it relates to upgrading our digital footprint and ensuring that we're able to reach our membership. Mm. And so one of the things that we had to do was create something called the senior partnership, Uh, just researching and reading and studying and talking to other pastors. uh, It became clear to me that the shepherding model would be very necessary here. Mm. One of the things that I had to do when I first arrived in my congregation as a 25-year-old man trying to lead a congregation that was predominantly elderly Mm. was I had to befriend their children. Mm. What shepherds did in antiquity is they would take the lambs Mm. and lift them to higher places Mm. and the sheep would follow. Mm. And so I had to rethink that for the pandemic. And what I ended up doing was we ended up developing a program called the Senior Partnership where we asked the senior saints in our church to uh, give us a person from their family, a young person, a grandchild, a child who would come to us so that we could teach them email, text messaging, how to navigate all of the social media sites and so that they could come back and then teach it to that uh, senior person because they would be more open to learn it from them than from us. That's wonderful. And uh, we had a, a really, really good success rate with it. Um, now I'm trying to manage getting them to understand that the world is not going to revert. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I yeah. had to tell them, it's like, you got a flip phone. Right. You need a smart TV. Right, right. <laughs> you got a dumb phone. Right. And you need a smart TV. <laughs> and so just kind of challenging them. I had seniors in my church who their children and grandchildren would get them cell phones and they would leave them off in their purse. Mm. We can't reach you if, if your phone's not on. But you know, that gives people cancer. <laughs> 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 oh, that's so, wow, that's so fascinating, Ramal. Thanks for sharing that with us. Tara Beth, I would love to hear. Um, the answer from your perspective, obviously we know COVID has impacted all of our churches, specifically attendance. Like how mm-hmm. has that changed for you guys at Christ Church? And then what have you 
I, I don't know if you're teaching people how to use phones, but what have you kind of tried to do strategically? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. So it's interesting because before the pandemic, pastors were having a lot of conversations about the shifting trends in church attendance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we were trying to make sense of, of the new normal. And then the pandemic hit and there was massive disruption and that threw up the new normal. Mm. And now we're trying to make sense of it again. So before the pandemic, uh, folks were coming to worship two to one time a month. Mm-hmm. Two times yeah. to one time yeah. a month. Wow. Uh, now it seems that folks are coming to in-person worship, if we're lucky, once That's a right. month yeah. to every other mm-hmm. month. Wow. And so I, I feel like this last Easter, this most recent Easter, Easter, we were able to get a grasp on where a con- congregation is because mm-hmm. everyone just happened to show up on right. the same Sunday. And so in January, I would say that we were probably closer to 40%. Mm. Uh, today, we're probably between 50 and 60% okay. in-person okay. attendance. And so we, at Christ Church, we we had a live stream ministry. Christchurch has a long history of being present through television and through live stream. And so thankfully, we had that technology there, and we were able to just pick it up yeah. mm. uh, from that ministry. Mm. Uh, some of the things that we did do was work to make it more interactive, and that's something that we have continued to do. Mm. Um, and so within our church, we have a number of different types of people we have the the core uh, that's that's been there since day one, since we have you know reopened the doors for in person mm-hmm. worship, and they never miss a Sunday. Uh, then we have the folks that are coming every other week. Uh, then we have a group of a significant amount of very young families that are so desperate and hungry for connection. Mm. And so one of the ways that we've been able to help them along in their pathway is through our group's ministry. Mm. Uh, Since April, we've had 813 people sign up for groups. And a lot of these are people that are just absolutely desperate for Mm. community. They're desperate for belonging. They're desperate to be known. Mm. And so while our in-person worship has, has, has been a new normal, uh, we have been able to help people along in their journey through our group's ministry. That's really impressive. It, I, I, hearing those statistics are encouraging because a lot of our churches are feeling mm-hmm. the same thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Also, just, oh, what do we do with that? And that's what we're trying to do here today. We're trying to assess where the church is at and and paint a picture going forward. So we're excited that Brian's here with us, Ramel and Tara Beth. And when we come back, Brian's going to kick us off by talking about how is uh, how has your view of pastoring changed over the last couple of years as we've kind of gone through COVID and start to come out? Excited to have these pastors with us today here on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. Welcome back to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. Today's a really special day here on The Common Good, as we've been saying. Uh, we normally take a lift conference, Aubrey, for pastors to encourage pastors, and we go out. Right. Well, today we had the idea, let's bring them in. So let's fun. do a panel of pastors for our entire show. Uh, and so that is what we're doing here on The Common Good today. We're excited to have Ramel Williams, uh, Tara Beth Leach, and Brian Nelson joining us today. And Brian, let me start with you here. 
Um, tell us, as as Ramel and Tara Beth did before, tell us just what's been happening at your church since COVID. Uh, how did yeah. things change for you? And then I'd love to move this and let you go first. So I'd love to move this to how has your perspective of pastoring started to shift over the last couple of years? Yeah, I mean, when it started, we didn't really have a an online presence. We had sermons that would go online. And I remember that Monday when we, Illinois shut down on Friday, if you remember. Mm-hmm. And on that Monday, we went and recorded three weeks worth of worship. <laughs> and, and, we, and, and including and Easter was the fourth week after right. COVID hit. We actually went back and then did Easter again because we learned so much the first time. Mm-hmm. And just kind of figured that out. And, and, but we, uh, we had a lot of, and maybe you did at your churches as well, like there's a lot of conversations, a lot of arguments, honestly, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. about how to manage this thing. Uh, we tried to stay as open as we could while giving everyone at home an ability to stay home. Yeah. So we've just had a really different experience, I think, than every than a lot of people. And yeah. that's I'm talking with a lot of friend pastor friends, trying to encourage them and and what could be different. I think because we kind of we never really chose a side mm-hmm. politically or masks or anything. We just kind of if you want to wear a mask forever, we got a way for you to do that. And if you want to get back here and take your mask off. We're going to get there eventually, hang in there with us. I think it was April of 21 when we finally said you could take those off. And we started back that June. So we were back in person in late June, so about three months later and a couple hundred people. And we had been 1,700 before it shut down. Mm. But now, so our Chicago campus is actually ahead of where it was now, uh, about 110% in person. Our other campuses, the two suburbs, the Desplaines one's about 90 and the Mount Brassic one's about 80. Wow. And I, it's two things. We've been talking about this a lot. So why is that? Because I have a lot, tons of friends at 50 to 60%. And I said, well, I don't, I think when we think back, I think honestly, we, because we didn't pick sides, I think that helped people a lot. Now, that doesn't mean people weren't mad at us, but because we never <laughs> yes. picked a side, really your far left and your far right people both had to just give a little bit. Mm-hmm. And neither one of them were satisfied. The one, everybody in the middle seemed to be fine. You know how that goes. But because we did that, I, I really think it encouraged people to keep coming. Now, we lost some people. We talk yeah. a lot about we have a lot of new people. We've done a lot of marketing and advertising since we came back. We still are online, so there's still about 800 people a week online. Mm-hmm. So it's more in total, if you will. But our online is more outreach and more about when you miss. So I have a lot of buddies who go hunting, let's say. <laughs> and they watch now. They would have never watched church when they went hunting. Mm-hmm. And they yeah. watch the service. And they'll tell me, man, I was really good what Junior said or what Scott said. And I'll be like, wow, you, you watched? And yeah, they, uh, we watched. It was great. When people are sick, they're watching. When elderly uh, are home. My mom, I wouldn't call her elderly on the radio ever. She's <laughs> very young. But my mom, it's been fantastic. As she is sick, she can listen and watch. And So things like that have been really good. Um, so we've been, you know, you asked the question, you wanted me to shift into pastoring and mm-hmm. has that changed? I think the thing I keep talking about with people is no. Mm. And I think that's the, so for me, that's been the problem. I think the reason we are struggling as, as churches is because we do think all these shifts have happened. We just don't at the bridge. Mm. We think people want community just like they did before. We think people are hurting just like they did before. We think more people are hurting now. Mm. Right, we see counseling going through the roof yeah. at our church right now. People coming in with big problems is more than before. Yes, mm. but it's not that different. And a lot of podcasts and blogs I read and podcasts I listen to keep telling about all these differences and all these changes we need to make. And then at the bridge, we just kind of plow through those. Like I think we just keep doing what we knew how to do before, but like keep learning. Right, like all we say, always learning, never the expert at the bridge. So we just keep going, guys, and and we don't know what the future holds, but. 
I tell you what, we, we know more counseling is needed. We know more group uh, community, as Tara Beth was talking about, is needed. Yeah. But we just never said that online was the future, and we never said it was church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And that's probably controversial to say. Mm-hmm. I got a lot of buddies that hate when I say that. But I'm, I'm just – and everyone I talk to that's not in our pastor world mm-hmm. thinks that. Mm. So I'll ask buddies on the side, even at baseball games, you guys think church is online in the future? They're like, well, I don't even know what that means. No, of course it's not. I'll be like, oh, that's just us. <laughs> that's just the pastors. Mm. No one else thinks that. Mm. But if we tell them they can think that, then they're not going to come back. Yeah, yeah, that's good. It's good. Yeah, that, that's really interesting. Uh, Pastor Ramel, I, I guess I want you to kind of jump off of that thought is the future of the church online or is it still embodied worship? Is it some combination of both? What are your thoughts on that? I still believe that the future of the church is in person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I yeah. do, however, have a pivoted conviction hmm. that we have to be determined as pastors to take the gospel where the people are gathered. Amen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm trying to push with my leaders and even with my congregation, a mindset that says that one of the huge lessons that we should have learned from this pandemic is how to be pliable, Mm. that we have to change our methods without ever altering our message Mm. so that we can continue to reach the loss. If the fish are online, then we need to make sure the gospel is online. Mm. And so I'm having to say, so I'm, I'm having to navigate, complaints from people who are now back in person Mm -hmm. who recognize that there are things going on in the worship that are directed toward the people who are online. Mm. And I'm having to say you're back, but they're not. Mm. So Tom Rainer in his book, the post quarantine church Mm -hmm. talks about the fact that COVID-19 has left us with three groups of people, the digitally transitioning Mm -hmm the digital only, Mm -hmm. and the dual citizens. Mm -hmm. And so what our goal has been in the life of my church and with leadership is to move people forward. So what does progress look like? If you are digitally transitioning, we want to get you transitioned to digital only. And if you are digital only, we want you to become a dual citizen. Mm. So we started a whole new ministry uh, that we've called the Fidgetal Church. Because we are physical and digital, and we've been very deliberate about the hybrid model. So I'm Mm -hmm. doing two in-person staff meetings a month, Mm -hmm. two online. So rather than fighting it, I want us to benefit from it. That's really good. good. Uh, Tara Beth, it might be unfair with the little time we have for right now, but how— How's your perspective on uh, on pastoring kind of shifted a little bit? Have there been any aha moments in the last two years? Or how are you different from you were, say, two, three years ago? Yeah, I find myself more aware to the suffering. Mm. Um, you know, the last year and a half, I myself personally That's have good. experienced a significant amount of suffering. Mm. And that changes you as a pastor. Yeah. It um, makes you more aware that, you know what, the people I'm pastoring that are acting out, that are being antagonistic, Mm. that are writing hurtful emails. Mm. There's something behind that. Mm. There's something going on. They're going through something. They are hurting. Mm. And so God has grown me with a deeper awareness and empathy and understanding that the people around us are hurting. Uh, 
And really what they want is is so same to what all of us want. Yeah. Mm. We want to be known. Yeah. We want to be seen. Yeah. We want a place to belong. Mm. And we want to be loved. And so if we as pastors can help our people get to the core of that, and if we can help them know that they are welcome, known, and loved, that they are seen, and that they belong, um, I think that's where we can experience the vision of the church that Jesus talks about. Amen. Oh, that's Amen. such a good so word. Good. I'm, I'm loving this. I Me love too. having you guys here. I love the perspectives. Uh, again, Romel Williams, Tara Beth Leach, and Brian Nelson, they're joining us for the entire day today as we ask, what's going on in the church? What's the future of the church? And eventually we're going to land on, is the church still the hope of the world, or do we still believe in the church? So that's what we're doing today. Glad that you are joining us here on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. Hey, everybody, welcome back to The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. And today's a special day as we're bringing the Lyft Conference into our studios. We're having a panel of pastors right now uh, to encourage other pastors to talk about where is the church heading. I do want to remind you that the Lyft Conference is brought to you by the National School Project. We're going to tell you more about the National School Project as the day goes on. But Aubrey, I got to just say a phenomenal ministry. The National School Project oh. is doing stuff and seeing like revival break out amongst high school amongst and junior high, high schoolers. Students. It's so yeah, cool. It really is. A, a wonderful thing, and we'll be talking more about that as uh, the day progresses. Well, we're joined uh, all afternoon by Ramel Williams, Tara Beth Leach, and Brian Nelson, all local pastors here in the Chicagoland area, along with Aubrey and I wrestling with what's the church? Mm-hmm. What do we learn? What do we know? And Tara Beth, I, I want to jump on something you said before, mm-hmm. because it's totally true. And I think as pastors, it's something that is causing us to pull our hair out a little bit. That's the frequency of attendance. Mm-hmm. So you'll read all the stuff. When we were, when I was younger, if you missed one week of church, mm-hmm. like it was, you, you that was not acceptable, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then we kind of learned people go to church twice a month. But you said, and Ed Stetzer mm-hmm. wrote on this the other day that now if you've got somebody coming once a month, that is a regular mm-hmm. attender. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of pastors that really frustrates us. We don't know what to do with that. How are you wrestling with the changing of, of even what it means for someone to regularly be a part of your church? Yeah. So I have long thought even before COVID that we need to rethink our metrics and we need to think what we count as success. Mm. And so one of the things that we got to talk about last time I was on the show was rethinking that, you know, for, for the longest time we looked at what others have called the ABCs of, of the empire mm. attendance building and cash and that success. Mm. Well, that metric has broken down um, for for many pastors. And for that, I say, praise God, because Mm. we need to reframe this anyway. We need to look at this differently. Mm. And a lot of the things that we are talking about as a staff and pastors and leaders at Christ Church is what is engagement? Where are people on the discipleship pathway? And can we see movement? Mm. Can we see movement from people who are spiritually curious to eventually living on mission and making disciples who are making disciples? Mm -hmm. And so there's various uh, markers for us that we are constantly looking at. Markers like, are they in a group? Markers like, have they given? Um, mm. we, we believe that generosity is a marker yeah. that someone is on that discipleship pathway moving towards mission. Um, are there, are there, do they have children that are involved? Are their kids showing up? Are they serving in our 
food pantry ministry? Are they engaged with one of our domestic or global partners? And so that's, that's for us is where we are paying attention and what we are curious about and how we are reaching those who are spiritually curious. And of course, we are concerned. I know Ed Setzer has talked about this. Christianity Today recently came out with an article called The Rise of the Ums. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that that's something that we have completely figured out is is reaching those that have reached a place of apathy yeah. with in-person worship. That's good. Yeah, it's really good. Brian and I were talking about that ums and kind of <laughs> that sort of apathetic middle group and mm-hmm. what do we do as a church? I think yeah. that's a good question. Yeah. Brian, um, let's jump off on discipleship. Have you have you at the bridge rethought discipleship because of the pandemic or just dug a little that's deeper good. into what you were already doing? Yeah, I think just dug deeper. I think our I look at our campus pastors, just we have, you know, three locations. And mm-hmm. so they almost, they're like many lead pastors, right? And so they're, they're coming to us uh, in the kind of the executive team and saying, but we've got to get people in groups. We've got to get a lot of these new families. Tara Beth nailed that earlier, right? All these new families are yeah. looking for community. They're yeah. looking for people. I do feel like we've just drilled down on what we were doing before. It kind of fits in the context of what I said earlier that we just felt like we don't need to make a lot of shifts other than continue to grow, continue to remember, you said uh, online ministry, online, all those things have kind of been where we've had to go look to because we weren't doing it. Right. But the things we were doing drilled down on it, I, you know, groups has been, I remember talking to Carl Clausen years ago mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, we talked about groups are that thing that everyone's always telling you how to do it, even though they're not doing it very well. <laughs> you know, and, so groups have been a problem. I've been in ministry 12 years. I think you said 20 years, 15 years. Yeah. Now I am yeah. Romel. How long? 18. Have you been? Yeah. Groups have been a problem since the first time we walked into mm-hmm. church. And mm-hmm. so I don't think much changed in that way. We are building up counseling for real. I mentioned that earlier, uh, counseling ministry. We got to get more of that. But yeah. my thing has been, we just continue to count everything to go off of what Terabeth said a little bit. I, we do a lot of talk at the bridge about, I don't think things are arguments that are arguments now. Mm. And so I, I don't think counting the weekend and money is an argument. I, I don't think it has to be an opposite. So and does that make sense? So I think counting groups and counting. Oh, yeah, we have to count. Yeah, mm-hmm. we still got to mm-hmm. do it. And I, I sat with a, a, a pastor in Chicago a few weeks ago, b- big church, and struggling to get some people back. And I asked this question. It's a totally controversial question. But I said, do you think <laughs> we stop counting because it hurt our feelings? <laughs> you know, and he looked at me and goes, you know, I've never thought of that ever. I said, mm-hmm. you really have never thought of that? He said, no, I've never thought of that. I said, man, I think about it all the time mm. that I remember in 2015 talking to a buddy of mine at a church here in Chicago that was struggling. And he said that line that we've stopped counting. This is seven years ago. Yeah. And I said, why? Yeah. That's not really where it's at anymore. I said, I, you sure? You know, I, I think it's still all of it, I guess, mm-hmm. because uh, Scott, our lead pastor has always said the weekend show you who's coming and the back door as well. It shows you both. It shows you who's being brought in. But it also shows you how how open is your back door. Now, if you bring them in with a cheap gospel, if you bring them in with watered-down teaching, now you have, I think, what the blogs and even maybe Ed would rail against, Mm -hmm. which is we brought them in with this cheap stuff, and so when COVID hit, they all left or what? I don't even think you can make that. That's not fair either. Mm -hmm. I just think you have to know at my church, we preach the truth, we open the Bible and teach it, Mm -hmm. and we want people to come listen. Uh, Can I give you one 30-second story? Uh, I remember years ago being at a conference, maybe it was Right Now Media or something, and they showed this story. It might have come out of Life Church out of Groeschel. And it was a guy who had been watching online for a year mm. and getting discipled for a year. And it really made me start buying into even before the pandemic. I'm missing something here. There, there's something real that can really go on online. Mm. But the point of the video 
was the day he walked into the physical church. Yeah. Dude, this guy walks in this lobby. He's this 60-year-old bald biker guy. And he hugs this pastor who's been reaching out to him for a year, never seen him in person. He said he was so scared to come. And they're just bawling their eyes out. And we're all crying watching this video at this huge <laughs> conference. And I've never forgotten that. When we went through the pandemic and now we're on this online side, I've never forgotten that video. Because mm. I've thought, that's the point. There was still something to when I hugged the guy that loves me. It, that was the moment yeah. that I was all in. Yeah. I guess that's what I don't want us to lose as mm-hmm. we count and don't count. Whatever. End of the day, I think people need community. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Right. And Ramel, uh, we were talking before when you introduced yourself, you have a great passion for preaching. And a great voice. Yes, and a great voice. And I, would, I would just love to hear, <laughs> even coming out of the pandemic, the primacy of preaching, the importance of oh, preaching, and also just why you're so passionate about the preached work. Well... It pleased God mm. through the foolishness of preaching to save them that are lost. Mm. Um, preaching has to happen. Uh, it is God's chosen modality to reach the world and yeah. to expand his kingdom. And mm. it has to happen from pastors so that it can happen from the people who are being mm. pastored. Mm. Uh and so it, it's it's a critical part. I think that preaching does need to be reconsidered uh, in these times. I have watched guys try to preach seven-minute sermons. <laughs> wow. And I've watched people who are still committed to preaching hour-long sermons. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, one of the things that I've tried to do is embody my conviction that the difference between good preaching and great preaching is editing. Mm. Uh, I often talk about uh, the technological advance from DVDs to now streaming movies. Mm -hmm. And I had a large DVD collection. (laughs) It's worthless now. It's literally worthless. (laughs) But I would buy something called the director's cut. Mm-hmm. on certain movies mm-hmm. it would show you alternate endings yeah but it would also show you deleted scenes mm. and i would meticulously watch a movie and go through the deleted scenes mm. to process wow. what did the director leave on the cutting room floor wow. in order to perfect that's what he was going to present yeah that's cool and i think that when you consider that concept mm-hmm. it'll make you grossly reconsider preaching wow. yes it's like so much wasted time, so many wasted words yeah. because we don't edit well. That's so good. So you put that over a minute count, Romel, in your mind. It's it's more important than a minute count to you is yeah. the editing floor. Yeah. Yeah. It's far more important. So it's, you know, what is this text saying? What do I need to say about this text mm-hmm. uh, in order to crystallize the truth that God is trying to teach? Yeah. And so, you know, for example, Mother's Day. I had an introductory illustration and a closing illustration. And the rest of it was just me working through the text. Mm-hmm. But it it helped to control the times. Yeah. And a lot of times, you know, you'll hear somebody preaching and they'll have three illustrations for one sermon point. <laughs> yeah. And you're waiting for the sermon <laughs> to Where's progress. The Bible? <laughs> the Bible? Yeah. And it's like, wait, we stalled out here. <laughs> And so it's it's always interesting, but I, I do think we have to rethink communication, and it yep. concerns me deeply 
that certain people still think that they have an hour of people's attention because mm. you absolutely do not. Mm. Specifically, those people that are watching online yes. yeah. where you're competing with the football game That's right. yeah. and breakfast and coffee yeah. and the kids. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good word, Ramella. Thank you That's for that. Awesome. The, the, your yeah. passion for preaching. I'm going to take that. I'm writing my sermon today, and I'm like, editing floor. Editing floor. <laughs> that was awesome. Know it so good. Know it. Again, uh, Tara Beth Leach, Brian Nelson, and Ramel Williams are joining Aubrey and I today as we bring the Lift Conference presented by the National School Project into our studios talk about the state of the church and then to start to talk about the future of the church and where it's heading we're glad you're joining us today here on the common good am 1160 hope for your life hey everybody welcome back to the common good am 1160 hope for your life alongside aubrey sampson my name is brian from uh, we are bringing the Lift Conference. If you've been around AM 1160 at all in the past, you know, the Lift Conference happens at churches or at venues. And we thought, how fun would it be to use our show and bring in a panel of pastors, Aubrey, to come and talk about the church and bring essentially the Lift Conference here. And so that's what we're doing today. Uh, Brian Nelson, Ramel Williams, and Tara Beth Leach are joining us for the entirety of our show. Uh, but this conference uh, in our studio could not be happening apart from uh, our sponsor, the National School right. Project. And if you've, again, been around the show, we've talked about the National School Project before because it is such an amazing ministry. And we are joined uh, by Kathy Craig from the National School Project. So, Kathy, thanks for joining us. Why don't you just tell us about the National School Project? Yes, great. Well, imagine if if uh, every teen that you know, every teen in your church was given the ability to share the gospel, was equipped in how to share the gospel, and was given a strategy to reach the teens in their community and in their school, even their public school. And our ministry, it works closely with churches and with teens to give them everything that they need to be equipped to share Jesus mm. and at the public school. Wow. You know, our vision is to reach every student here in Chicagoland with the gospel. And we have a simple and strategic plan to disciple Christian teens that they can do that. And, you know, I just want to encourage everyone that right now we are seeing teens do that, Mm. that they know that God wants to use them to speak to their peers, to share the gospel. And we're seeing them do that through individual conversations at school where they're sharing the gospel, through starting a Christian club at their public school, and then also by organizing a larger outreach event where they can share the gospel, and that can happen often at lunchtime mm. in the gym right there, and wow. students can come to hear the gospel. That's so cool. Uh, Kathy, before we went on air, you were telling us some stories, things that high schoolers in Illinois have done that are tremendous. Do you mind sharing one of those stories with us? Sure, I would love to. Uh, there's a student, her name is Allie. She's 14 years old, so she is a freshman, and she was able to start a club. She was also, through our ministry, coached on how she could have a larger event there and share the gospel. Well, she was nervous. She didn't know if anybody would come, but at her school, there were 400 students that came out to hear the gospel during lunch mm, that is so incredible i mean you and i've both been youth pastors Aubrey. Yeah, uh-huh. like that's a dream yeah right, right like, yes, it's just right. a dream 
to see students engaging their faith yeah. uh, and doing that. And uh, Kathy, I, I, every time you guys have been on, I've asked you this question. I've always thought it's illegal to do these kind of things. So how is this even possible? How is this legal? Yes. Well, that's something that our ministry focuses on to let students know that it actually is legal Mm -hmm. because of the Equal Access Act. And that says that if there is any club at a public school, such as a chess club or the fishing club, that there actually has to be allowed a student to form a religious club and that it can have the same privileges that the other clubs can have. Mm. So if they're allowed to form and have a classroom to meet in, if they're allowed to promote their club and their events uh, through PA announcements or through flyers, hanging flyers up, that the Christian club can do that as well. Mm. So a lot of students don't know that. A lot of pastors don't know that. (laughs) And so we cast that vision. We let Mm. them know this is possible for you to do, and then help them every step of the way of how to do that and how to make that club strategically a place to reach out to their peers, to their classmates. That's amazing. And Kathy, we've got a lot of pastors that listen, a lot of ministry leaders, a lot of parents. How can we find out more about National School Project? Sure. You can go to our website, which is nationalschoolproject.com slash churches to get that information. And that actually leads me to an exciting announcement that our ministry has, that after 20 years of being the National School Project, we're actually changing our name. Oh, wow. Yes, to Decision Point. And really the heart behind that, that we are calling teens to make a decision to follow Christ. Awesome. So soon you'll be able to find us on decisionpoint.org. Nice. But for right now, today, you can find us at nationalschoolproject.com slash churches for more information. Very cool. Again, our event today is sponsored by the National School Project. And as you've heard, just a wonderful ministry. Kathy, thanks for joining us. Thanks for all that you guys do at the National School Project. Sure. Thank you so much so much. We're excited to partner with you. Absolutely. And what we're doing here today, again, is we've got pastors here in our studio and we're just asking them questions. We're just kind of going. And uh, Tara Beth Leach, let me ask you a question, Tara Beth. Uh, This is the elephant in the room because we've been talking about COVID, but a lot of what's also going on in our churches has to do with the disunity of our Mm -hmm. nation, of our culture, quite frankly, Mm -hmm. politics primarily. And then COVID falls underneath that. How are you navigating that as a pastor? Are you trying to hit politics head on? Are you trying to cast a wide net? How should us pastors even be thinking about politics right now? Yeah, well, you can't avoid politics Mm -hmm. as a pastor. Um, Kingdom theology is incredibly subversively political. Yep. And I, I believe deeply that what we are navigating as pastors is, is a, a deformed kingdom theology within mm. our congregations. Mm. And what I mean by that is so much of this disunity has, uh, that we are seeing is the result of so many people within our church, uh, within our congregations, believing that the kingdom of God can be enacted through a political party, mm. uh, through a president through Congress, right. Right. Um, I I believe that the kingdom of God is enacted through King Jesus and Amen. is lived out through the Bride of Christ. Amen. And we have we have hitched ourselves mm. to political parties mm-hmm. um, in the belief that that square that that realm is going to inaugurate the kingdom of mm. God. And so we can't avoid politics. Um, Jesus was was profoundly political. Yeah. But he he subs, he subverted the powers of the mm. day. That's right. 
And so for us as pastors, um, it's really important that, of course, we meet people where they are, but I think we need to begin with the Bible, Mm -hmm. that we need to begin with a theology of helping people reframe what the kingdom of God is and what it means that the kingdom of God is, is coming on earth as it is in heaven. Oh, so good. <laughs> That's a good word. Man, Tara Beth, thank you so much for that. We all need now. to hear that. So good. That's it. Sign off. Yeah. <laughs> done and done, done, done. I think we're I think we're done. Uh Pastor Ramel, I'd love to ask you the same question, especially like you're in the heart of the city. Talk to us about how you yeah, engage politically. So I do not address anything with a closed Bible. Mm. Mm. Uh, good. Our people need to hear from God first and foremost, and they need to be led forward in their walk with Christ so that they are able to make mature decisions. Um, Tragically, there is error on both sides, Mm -hmm. and uh, we have to equip people to be able to faith forward. Mm. in the face of all of the political unrest. It Love troubles that. me that, uh, as Tara Beth referenced, we, we have a perverse and skewed idea even of the kingdom because mm-hmm. we've been conditioned by America. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Amen. so one of the, the huge challenges is to get us to the point where we actually see through a Christian worldview yeah. that that we are processing everything in the world through the scripture yeah. and not trying to use the world to help us understand the scripture. So yeah. good. Right. That's the tragic thing. We are looking at uh things in a inverted fashion. And so mm-hmm. the the challenge becomes that the church is unfortunately splintering. Mm-hmm. over political things mm-hmm. because we have a skewed view. Yep. Mm-hmm. There are those who really, really believe that the cross is wrapped in the stars and stripes. That's right. That's right. And I contend that, that America is not Israel. That's right. She looks a lot more like Babylon. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Mm-hmm. Say that. That's a good Ooh. word, Ramel. That- I love that idea. Never, never speak without an open Bible. Yes. Basically what you said, that is our role as pastors. Friends, if you've missed any of today's show, let me encourage you to go get our podcast. Seriously. If ever you download the podcast, today's the day. That's right. Also, you can go to 1160hope.com. We are grateful that we've got another hour to go. We're going to be joined by Ramel Williams, Brian Nelson, and Tara Beth Leach as we continue to take a look at the church here in the Chicagoland, across America, Uh, with all the pressures against it and try to say, where's the hope? What are we Mm -hmm. pointing towards Mm -hmm. for the future? This is the Lyft Conference in our studios today, presented to you by the National School Project. Be sure to stay with us with these three great pastors as we continue this conversation next here on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. Coming up this hour, we're excited to bring the Lyft Conference into our studio today. You're listening to The Common Good. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson alongside my co-host, Brian Fromm. And we are doing something so special today. We have a Lyft conference several times a year here at AM 1160. Today, we have brought the Lyft conference into the studio 
and we are joined by some incredible people. Brian Nelson, Ramel Williams, Tara Beth Leach, pastors all around the Chicago land. Today is presented by National School Project. We're so thankful for them. What we're talking about is a couple things, how the church has changed since COVID, but also how we can remain hopeful. Mm-hmm. And, and simultaneously, the vision that we want to cast for people to remember that they are the, the embodied people of God mm-hmm. and that it matters that we continue to gather however we gather. And so, Brian, I'll, I'll just start with you. Maybe, maybe let's talk to our listeners, and I'd like you to pastor them for just a moment. If there's a listener out there right now that just hasn't haven't felt either safe going back to church, comfortable going back to church, or maybe they're just feeling lazy about going back to church. <laughs> like it like they are not even sure why it matters that they should gather in person with other believers. Can you just pastor oh. them with some wisdom a little yeah. a little bit? Yeah, well, that went yeah, that's a lot. Uh, because the lazy person is so different than the unsafe person, right? Mm-hmm. So I think the unsafe person, boy, at this point in COVID just needs to what I've talked about with different people is we can all end up uh, in our little circle of thought. So we end up with the same people who say the same things. And so that's why you have one person who's still afraid to go shopping mm. and people who have been shopping for two years. Mm-hmm. So I just encourage them because I think that's bigger than church. Those people to me are bigger than church. They're, they're thinking just my life and my safe being outside. Yeah. And I know there's still people like that. So Get some different perspectives. Call a family member who maybe thinks differently than you. Mm-hmm. Call a friend who thinks differently than you and say, I had one friend call me last year crying and saying, you know, we've been inside this whole time. And I, I almost wonder if our friendship's okay because you haven't been. I'm like, why would our friendship not be okay? She's like, I don't know. I just, I just wonder if I should have been more like that because mm-hmm. my family is not good. I said, it's okay, though. That's all in the past. Like, yeah. just, what could you do now? So we talked about, uh, it couldn't have been that long because we talked about this summer hanging out. Once we could be outside. So that was really cool. As far as people who are lazy, oh man, let's go. So I, I, <laughs> I, I think that, you know, what we saw at the bridge, I'm sure you guys saw this too. You can listen to preaching at home, but all my friends with kids said it's just, it's almost worthless. Hmm. So anybody with kids, you can't focus at home. Stop kidding yourself. Just help yourself out and just get over there. Your kids need community with other kids. Hmm. You need community with other adults. Hmm. The thing you really can't do at home is worship. We, we asked a lot of our people, are you singing at home? Are you? And the longer it went, the less they were singing at home. Mm. I remember the first few weeks, I'd make my boys stand up. They're 12 and 14. <laughs> I'd make them, because I'm a worship leader, so I'd make them stand and sing, and oh, they hated it. And then I caved. And so now we were watching it. Well, we can watch YouTube whenever we want, right? And so that, that can't happen, and community can't happen. Mm. The hugs, the smiles. I remember our, our lead pastor saying, I can't wait to have the mask off just to see somebody smile. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, what a huge statement. So you, those of you who aren't sure about going back, we had really good friends not too long ago who were just being lazy. You know what it takes? It takes maybe listening to the radio like you're doing right now and just hearing somebody encouraging you directly. Just do it. Mm-hmm. It's like going to the gym. Just do it. Mm-hmm. Just get up and do it. You will love it. I'm telling you, every, <laughs> every time at the bridge someone comes back for the first time for the last two years, they cry. Mm. every time why not emotional people by the way we're not very emotional church (laughs) and they're crying in the lobby because they can't believe what they've been missing they Mm. forgot how good it was to be with god's people they Mm. forgot so if you've forgotten let me remind you and let me encourage you to go that's good word man that's good and now i feel like i need to get to the gym that was it right there <laughs> Lazy well, gym. I just heard that. I heard that. Let's go on the radio. Is that what I'm saying? Let's go on the radio. You know what I'm saying? That was convicting. And Tara Beth, as we look at our, our culture around us right now, um, 
Let me just ask this question. What's evangelism look like going forward? What does evangelism for the church and for Christians look like? Yeah. So this has been an important conversation that we as a church have needed to have for a long time, and Mm -hmm. we are having it. But evangelism is absolutely shifting. I grew up in, uh, you know, 1990s Christianity Mm -hmm. and became a Christian through the ministry of Youth for Christ. Praise God for that. Mm -hmm. And what we are learning through the work of so many missiologists um, and theologians um, and sociologists is, you know, evangelism today is no longer a cognitive proposition. Mm -hmm. Um, But evangelism Mm -hmm. is is so highly relational yeah, yeah. Right on. and we've we've absolutely yeah. known that but i do think that oftentimes we have seen people default to the cognitive proposition mm-hmm. default to the convincing yep. default to uh, i need to change your mind mm-hmm. um, but it is so drastically different when it is someone we know and they know us yeah. when we are able to meet them where they are, when we are able to identify what their aches are, when yeah. we are able to identify what their doubts are, when we are able to understand what their questions and their hurts are and meet them where they are with the hope of the gospel. Mm. But the second thing I really want to say as we think about evangelism is is evangelism for some generations has become a dirty word, mm-hmm. and 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 for good reason, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, for for good reason. I think it's because we haven't held the gospel with the care and mm. the love that it requires. Mm. Um, and so, what we need to do is we need to reclaim it for a new day. And I think we cannot think about evangelism without also thinking about our witness. Yeah. And you know, there's a lot of conversation about church attendance, but before COVID, um, there was a lot of head scratching. Mm. And a lot of that head scratching is because we are seeing a generation that has grown up from the ch- grown up in the church now walking away right. from the church yep. because they are confused by the gospel that they were taught that is also um, the the same people that taught them that message are the same people whose witness is diminished. It's yeah. not making sense. Mm-hmm. And so we're seeing an entire generation deconstruct and deconstruct and yep. deconstruct and yep. deconstruct. Yep. And so we've got to think deeply about our witness and how we are holding and caring and engaging mm-hmm. um, in mid a weary world. That's a good word. So we can't detach the two. Oh, it's mm-hmm. such a good word. Pastor Mel, what about you? What does evangelism look like at Progressive? Progression. Well, uh, processing evangelism i do agree with uh, tara beth that things have changed and evolved here's my perspective on all of it i think that the mega church movement which has been reset by the pandemic mm-hmm. really hurt our perspective of evangelism hmm. and i think that because in a lot of ways everything was about numbers hmm. and so we were busy making members and not making disciples in a lot of contexts. So the reality is when you study the scripture, Jesus never offers salvation without discipleship. Mm, That's right. He never says, let me fix you so you can keep doing you. Right. (laughs) Right. That's accurate. That's accurate. 
the refrain is follow me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I believe that, you know, to her point, evangelism is much more relational, but it is causing us to have to come out of the corner. So true. It's harder. And engage people, which is great. Yes. In light of our struggle Mm -hmm. to reorient to life and activity. Yeah. You know, I don't know about you, but, Throughout the pandemic, I just, I longed for community. That's right. And I found it. Mm. You know, as a confession, uh, me and a group of pastors uh, that I've grown to love and be very close to over the last two years, we managed this pandemic by meeting weekly so good. in backyards. Wow. <laughs> yep. For fellowship, we yeah. go from house to house, yeah. awesome. and we just talk about the struggles. We mm-hmm. listen to music, mm-hmm. we laugh, mm-hmm. but so just good. that community is what makes me know mm-hmm. that the church will never be irrelevant, mm-hmm. and that people will always need to gather in person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because uh, to Brian's point, there's something you just cannot get online and I've experienced the joy over and over again of seeing people return to public worship and just embrace one another and feel the electricity in that room Mm. as we worship God in a corporate Mm. and collective way. So beautiful. And so I I just think we have to be deliberate about evangelism and we have to make sure, you know, too much time, in my opinion, is spent on trying to push our story mm. and not enough on telling the Lord's story. Wow. Um, and people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so good. And so the challenge so becomes making sure that I am getting into a relationship where I understand that I need to do life with someone so that I can try to introduce them to eternal. Amen. Amen. Oh, so good. We're joined by pastors Brian Nelson, Ramel Williams, and Tara Beth Leach. You're listening to The Common Good. We'll be back and continue this incredible conversation. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson alongside my co-host, Brian From We're having an amazing Day. The Lyft Conference is in the studio. We're in the big studio today, mm-hmm. too, Brian. So I keep taking pictures of us. We are not in our regular studio. This is so fun. We are joined by Brian Nelson, Ramel Williams, and Tara Beth Leach, pastors from the Chicago land. And we've been talking about some really, really important things. The the church in the midst of COVID, coming out of COVID. What does attendance look like these days? What does it mean to actually be the church is what we're talking about. And I wanted to get a little bit personal with the three of you, if you're okay. Um, well, I think we have to be. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, now there's no choice. You're watching here, radio. so you got to do what I say. Tara Beth's done. You know, Tara Beth, you, you kind of mentioned some of your personal suffering earlier in the hour. And I would say, Brian and I have talked about this on the show, being pastors. I mean, I think we'd be lying if we said the past couple of years have not been at times very disheartening Mm -hmm. and discouraging Mm -hmm. Uh, and through some of our own personal losses as well. But in leading, just wonder how the three of you, and I'll start with you, Tara Beth, Mm -hmm. how have you just kept up your hope and your courage and your endurance in this season? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Well, I, I have to begin with Jesus, mm. um, and I, I don't mean that as a Sunday school answer, <laughs> but I mean that as an experienced and known reality, um, one that I have lived through some of the darkest moments I have known in my life over the last couple of years. And also, as a pastor, um, I have seen just some of the darkest moments mm-hmm. within the church, painful, painful. Yeah. Yeah. And there's been moments where I wonder, why bother? Mm-hmm. Why bother with this thing called church? Jesus I have loved, but mm. the church. Mm. <laughs> but then when I look to Jesus, I see how much Jesus loves the church. That's mm. right. That's right. I see how much Jesus believes in the church, mm-hmm. and I see how much Jesus believes in us. Yeah. And then I find myself there with the people of God, all broken, um, all cracked in the ways that we are, and the very people that I have been disheartened by are also at the same time the very people that who've carried me Amen. through some of the most painful moments of, of losing my father, of my mom being di- diagnosed with Alzheimer's, of mm. me leaving a dream pastorate in mm. Southern California to care for them, mm. of discovering a new space of liminality that just didn't make sense, that felt as though I was daily waking up. Mm. Um, to the fog. It has been the people of God, the bride of Christ, the church showing up at my doorstep Mm. with warm meals, Mm. picking up my children and taking them to practices, Mm. being by my side as I am weeping on the ground, on my driveway Mm. over the loss of my father. It is a very people that, yes, I've been hurt by, but also they have carried me to this very moment that I sit right now where Mm. I continue to be hopeful because Jesus said the gates of hell would not prevail and that has not prevailed. That's right. That's right. So good. Ramel, how about you? How have you, uh, you already shared how you hanging out with other pastors has been a life giving thing for you, but how have you both endured and and kept going in these last couple of years? Honesty. Hmm. And expansion and refocus. Mm. So the first thing I had to do was be honest with myself and realize that as much as I felt the need to act like I was okay, I wasn't. Mm. Uh, I was grieving the disconnection from my members. So I, I have a process I would go to church, preach the live service, go to my mom's house, eat dinner, and then take a nap. And (laughs) I would be so drained. Mm. Now, I've gone from a culture where I might preach anywhere from two to four times on a Sunday to only having to preach once. And I'm trying to figure out, like, what is wrong? Why are you so tired? And I realized it's because... I was not receiving the recipro- reciprocal mm-hmm. energy mm-hmm. from interacting with wow. the congregation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm 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 sent a song one Monday morning. Um, it's a collaboration between PJ Morton and Kim Burrell. Mm. The name of this song is "Don't Let Go," mm. and I hear this song and I just lose it. Wow. I, I just I'm laying on the couch crying. Wow for like 30 minutes because I was at the brink of letting go Mm -hmm. and I didn't know it. Mm -hmm. So I had to be honest with myself. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other thing is just 
allowing yourself to be stretched. I I took this pandemic as an opportunity to get to know me better, to get to know my children better, mm. to get to know my wife better, uh, to get to know those around me who were reachable better. Yeah, yeah that's good. Um, because a lot of times we are just passing by each other. Yeah, things are moving so fast. We're just passing by, and so we 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 were forced to slow down. But I think that wisdom called us also to reevaluate. Mm-hmm. I mean, something happened in this pandemic that had never happened. I had multiple days and uh, multiple weeks of eating three meals with your family. <laughs> with my family, amazing! Yes. It's unbelievable. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It was nuts. That, that was, was amazing. Wild. I was like, yeah. man, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. So so that. Uh, stretched me, but actually refocusing That's and good. understanding just how important it is to follow the Jesus mm-hmm. you preach about. That's right. Oh, it's so good. I said to someone yesterday, no, the day before, that so many people are losing it, like yeah. on medication, mm. on the, the couch, who weren't before, mm. that there are times when I'm like, well, why ain't I crazy too? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm being really, yes. really serious. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it's the Lord. Mm-hmm. It's nobody but the Lord. It's not, you know, I I mean, wow. I've had to pray with friends in the middle of panic attacks. Yeah. And been both encouraged by the moment and broken by the mm-hmm. moment. Encouraged that I could do ministry in that moment. Yeah. But broken to say, hey, this could be you. Mm. Right. Right. And Jesus is the only reason why it's not. Mm. Mm. So good. Yeah. And it's 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 hard because the smallest thing seems like it's heavy weight. Yes. When you're carrying pandemic pressure. So right. true. You, so that's true. a good phrase. Yeah. Yeah. Brian, what about you? What what has what has given you courage, hope to endure during this last few years? Yeah, I really like what Ramel said about the family. That's mm-hmm. what we found. We moved in a new house on May first of the pandemic year. <laughs> wow! So when everything hit in March, it was like, uh-oh. And our house had been listed and sold. We were just moving ten blocks, but it doesn't matter if you move ten blocks or around the world. It's about the same. Yeah, you pack everything, and so we went in this new house. And if you don't remember, May of that year had really nice weather. Mm. And so we could be outside a lot. And uh, yeah, I remember just building what we, we were saying around the bridge. It seemed like families that were, it's it's not families that were struggling. Again, they still had a choice. So some people said families that were struggling got worse. Families that were doing well got better. I don't know. Mm. Mm. I think families made a lot of choices during that time. Mm. And we just chose it, we're going to get better. Yeah, And good. so I felt, uh, I've got two boys, uh, 12 and 14 now. And, but at the time I was just like, man, I just want to get closer to these guys. Mm. I remember hearing an interview with Brandon Lake. Uh, you know, who's everywhere right now, right? Mm-hmm. He's traveling all the time. And he said that it was the best thing for him because he'd been going so crazy. It was really, it was really when he was taken off. And then this hit and he goes, I got to know my family. I was a guy who tours and all. So it's just so much more than even we deal with. Yeah. And so I took that to heart. Like that's the same thing I'm going to do. Um, so it wasn't hard that way. And that can, that's like what you just said. You're like, well, why, you know, I, I think my whole family loves Jesus, which is really fortunate. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of are all on the same page on that. My wife's super solid, super steady. That helped a lot. 
uh, it's harder when everybody started coming back around. Like, there's so many marriages right now. We've never seen the number of marriages wanting to bail on. It's what mm. you just said, that these little problems. I remember one couple, uh, and maybe they're listening. It's all right, whatever. So <laughs> one couple, uh, a buddy of mine, they just got divorced, and he left uh, my boss's office, and, and, he, and I didn't even know he was coming. I said, what the heck were they here for? He's like, ah, they're close to splitting up again and whatever. And I said, well, what's their problem? What, what's the big counseling? And he goes, they just need to be nice. <laughs> he goes, do you know what I told them? He goes, just be kind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you know if you were kind to each other, your whole marriage would be fixed? Mm-hmm. It was literally that advice. Wow. And they didn't do it. Mm-hmm. And now they're divorced. Mm-hmm. And, and the simplest fix, like mm-hmm. you just said, in the pandemic, you said it so much better, was just they became these huge problems. Mm-hmm. And I remember reading the text he had sent to his wife, and I was like, well, yeah, if you never sent stuff like that, honestly, you'd still be married. Mm. You can't talk like that to someone. What are you doing? And so it made everybody just super intense about a lot of things, including myself. And that's what I've had to work on is like back off this intensity Mm. that I've always had my whole life, but really built up during the pandemic. Like, you got to relax. My wife just said, you have to calm down. So on our Hulu it says chill Brian. So when you when you select <laughs> who you want to be that day, right? Brian Michelle. And, You're like, I want to be chill. So every so go, Mel, you came to my house and Brian Robert you would see Chill Brian. Everybody goes, What is that? And I go, It's who I want to be. Mm. And then I click on it and then I like legit I relax. It's oh, that's bizarre. so good. That's so and that I, something I Brian and I say on the common good a lot is like just like the lowest, the lowest bar right now is be nice like be a nice human and that will change everything kindness. yeah just kindness Kind-y. all we just need it right kindness. now yep hey everybody you, we're so glad to have you here on the common good we've been doing the lift conference presented by national school project live in studio we even have a live studio audience it's this fun so so fun we'll be back with these incredible pastors brian nelson ramel williams and tara beth leach you're listening to the common good on am 1160 hope for your life Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson, alongside my co-host, Brian Frum, and my special co-host. Three co-hosts are with us today. That is Brian Nelson, Ramel Williams, and Tara Beth Lee, pastors from the Chicagoland area that are here for the Lyft Conference. So we are doing it in our studio. We have a studio audience. It's a very, very fun. There's this a good fun. energy for yeah. us and we this got, afternoon. We got promoted to co-hosts. I looked at Ramel like... Wow! Yeah, you yeah. just upgraded. I, this this whole time it, has been an interview, day. and you guys she all she forgot it, so. one word. It is unpaid co-host. Yeah, so that's true. You. This is like a, it's an internship <laughs> essentially. Already <laughs> changed. There you go. <laughs> yeah, we're in ministry. Like we got it. You know what I'm yeah, you you all we know you're in ministry. That's right. If you've missed any of our conference today, any of today's show, we'd love to invite you to go back and catch up on our podcast wherever it is you cast those pods. And as always, we love to connect with you on social media. We are at Common Good Talk on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Okay, because we have a studio audience today, or an audience just outside of our studio today, we have a question from them. This is so fun. So, Brian, I'll throw this to you. This is kind of a spinning off of something we talked about earlier. But how do you, at your church, entice believers to come back to church who are fully content watching from home from now on? Yeah, I mean, I kind of did this a little bit earlier, soapbox-wise, or what do you call that? High horse yeah, or whatever, getting on your thing. You know, I would say, when it comes to be, let, let's talk really personal, right? Mm-hmm. So some of our good friends were this, and it really took a conversation in person at their house saying, hey, we got to, we got to, and you know what's cool? In their heart, they actually wanted to do it. Yeah. So I think they'll find when they go talk to people. One thing we did in in April or May of the pandemic originally, we did it a year later again, was call everyone on our list. 
Mm. So we set out and called, you know, on the list, you got, what, 2,000 people in our context. Wow. And that was a big deal. I I think that's part of what's actually got our in-person back so Mm -hmm. much is we just kept talking to people. So our charge, our campus pastors, you need to know the story of every person that attends your campus. I want to know the story. I want to know if they're lazy. I want to know if they don't want to come back. I want to know if they're mask scared. I want to know. I want to be able to ask you any name in your campus, and you can tell me the story because you've talked to them personally. So that's a big charge. It took a long time. But it really helped. So to answer the audience question, I would say personal conversations. It's what Ramel said. Like you said it so well. Maybe you're next, Ramel. I mean, you know, you said there's something that just can't happen. It just can't mm-hmm. listen. As a worship leader, you guys, it's. I'll tell this: the worship department at the bridge. I'm sure at all your churches, there we're dying over this stuff. Here's the thing: all the creatives get all juiced up and fired up about online because they can go make stupid videos <laughs> and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> but the truth is, like we're worship leaders, right? I love how Andy Rozier says that we're supposed to lead people up to the temple. We just can't do that at home. We we cannot bring you there. We mm. just can't bring you there. And all we have moments with songs in the cars. All of us have had that with radio. Heck, we're on the radio. But worship, holding your hands up, mm-hmm. opening your opening the palms, all these things. You can't do that at home. You can't. So for me, it would be a personal conversation mixed with I really think God. That's a good word. God has told us to lift our hands in prayer. God has told us to sing. God has told us to shake the tambourine and all. You're not doing that. So there is, you, uh, Terry has talked about Jesus loves the church. There is something that Jesus loves here that you're not doing. Mm-hmm. There's got to be a little conviction in this, y'all. It mm-hmm. can't just be advice. Mm-hmm. Like, it's got to be, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I'll pass it to Ramel. That's good. Right. That's really good. Uh, Ramel, we've tried to dive into the deep in this, in these two hours. We've tried to tackle, you know, politics, COVID, all this. I'd be remiss and if we didn't have the, the conversation about the church and race. and. Mm-hmm. That is fracturing our society, but it's fracturing the church as well, right? That's on the top five list of what is hurting and fracturing the church. Uh, you're in the city. You're you're trying to uh, talk to your congregation. What's the role of the church right now? Suburban church, city church, you know, white pastor, African American pastor. How help us get our arms around what does the church need to be doing and saying right now? As it relates to race, I yeah. believe that what the church needs to be doing and saying is is it's rather simple we need to be honest about the dysfunction yeah. in our country yeah. and we need to be deliberate about pointing people to Jesus Amen. people will never come together looking at each other hmm. there's a scene from a Steven Spielberg movie first encounters of the third kind <laughs> where the mothership descends And it is a picture of unity because everybody's attention is drawn to the sky. Nobody is looking at his Mm. neighbor. Everybody's looking up. Mm. And the fact of the matter is this. We have got to understand that people are people, that people are hurting, Mm. and that people need the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm. Is... The racial variance real. Absolutely. Yes. I moved into a suburban community and I got stopped four times in 30 days. Come on. I talked to a preaching professor at a university in South Carolina who is a 65 year old white man who says, I've never been pulled yep. over by the police in my life. Yeah. Mm. 
So I have a different task in raising my sons Mm -hmm. than he does in raising his because Mm -hmm. I have to teach my sons how to have a survivable interaction Mm -hmm. with the police. Mm -hmm. Well, I can't afford to be mad at him Mm. because our culture is set up where he's never been pulled over Mm. and I've been pulled over four times Mm -hmm. in 30 days. Mm I I need to recognize that variance. I need to make the adjustment to it, Mm -hmm. but I cannot allow anger about that to consume my heart to the point that now I'm angry with someone who I shouldn't be upset with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you said earlier uh, off the air, what were you saying about you'll take a little time to be upset, but then I got to go pastor people. I got to point. Exactly. I don't get to stay stuck Mm -hmm. in the anger. And I, again, I think we preach a gospel that we don't live. (laughs) The hours of Sunday morning worship are still the most segregated hours of the week, tragically, because we don't do life with each other. Mm -hmm. We have allowed the invisible lines to become real walls. Mm. Wow. Wow. I've, I've had, Caucasian friends to call me in the middle of everything that's gone on, the George Floyd situation, mm-hmm. all the rest of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And so here, here's the two different lines. I've had black friends say, well, if your Caucasian friends don't address this, they don't really care about you. Mm-hmm. And then I have my Caucasian friends to address it mm-hmm. because they care about me without me saying, if you don't address this, we're going to fall out. Mm. I've had to say to them, hey, nothing can happen in the news to alter my affection for you. Mm. That's a good line. That's Mm. a good line. But you flip the record over and play the other side. (laughs) George Floyd is viewed from a different perspective because they saw Romel Williams' face on him. Mm. Oh, so good. And they all went to their pulpits one by one and said this was wrong. Yeah. Without me saying, if you don't say anything, guys. (laughs) Right, right. You see what I'm saying? So the challenge becomes, hey, I got to be serious about walking forward with Jesus, but I also have to give other people time to walk forward with him as well Mm -hmm. without being judgmental, without looking for excuses. I I told my leaders recently, don't excuse yourself with the excuses. Mm -hmm. We're looking for reasons to break up. We're looking for reasons to stay separated. Mm instead of understanding that Christ has called us together. Yes. When you read Revelation 7, hey, <laughs> everybody's going to be up there Amen. around the throne. That's Amen. Right. Amen. Thank oh, you. So, Thank you so for good. that. Thank you for that. Really appreciate it, Pastor. When we return, we're going to ask all three of our pastors one of the questions we like to ask here on The Common Good. Are you hopeful for the church? You're listening to AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson alongside my co-host, Brian Fromm. It has been an incredible day. Mm-hmm. We have had this the, has been fun. Yeah, the Lyft conference that we normally have out in the community, we've actually brought into the studio, presented by the National School Project. We're so thankful for them, by the way. They are raising up young evangelists in public high schools all over the country. Very, very cool organization. National School Project, thank you so much for uh, partnering with Absolutely. us and allowing today to happen. It's been incredible. But we have been joined by three just deeply, deeply powerful, committed 
pastors and friends, really, Brian Nelson, Ramel Williams, and Tara Beth Leach. We're so thankful you guys have been here. Thank you guys for taking the time. So fun and so special for us and for our audience. So a question that Brian and I like to ask pastors that are on the the common good is this, and Tara Beth, we'll start with you. Are you, especially after the past couple years, are you hopeful for the church? We're assuming the answer is yes, but why? Yeah, when I think back to the revivalist era, folks would come, they would gather in their community um, when an evangelist would come into town and they would set up a tent and revival would break loose. Mm. Mm. What drew them to those tent gatherings, what drew them to the center of their community was something was happening. Mm. There was a fear of missing out. You know, Mm. millennials and and Gen Z, they call that FOMO. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There's a fear of missing out. Something is happening. There's something exciting happening at the center of town. We want to see people. We want to socialize. Something cool is happening, so we're going to show up. So these people would show up. The evangelist would then open up the word of God. The spirit of the living God Mm. would move about and revival would break loose in the town. Churches were planted. Mm. Um, Christians were raised up. Pastors and missionaries were sent out. I am hopeful for the future of the church because I believe that people are still longing for that same sense of community Um, and excitement that they were longing for over a hundred years ago. I agree with my friend um, that I I agree with my friend that the future of the church um, is not fully online, that that's not the epitome Mm -hmm. of of the church. Uh, But the future of the church is in person. And I also agree with, with pastor Romel over here that we we need to meet people where they are. But I'm hopeful because I believe people are still longing for that. Mm. And so if we as church can continue to create that same kind of sense of FOMO, fear of missing out that Mm. same kind of sense within our communities that something happening, something is happening here Mm. and we're not talking entertainment, but something that will change your life, Mm. change the trajectory of your life towards a purposeful and hopeful future. That's great. I believe that people will come out and that we will see the future of the church embodied through the next generation. Uh, love oh, that. Thank you for love that. Such that an image. encouragement. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ramel, how about you? Are you hopeful for the church? And assuming you are, why are you hopeful for the future of the church? I still believe mm-hmm. that the local church is the hope of the world. Amen. And I am hopeful because the church is not man's idea. <laughs> Amen. I am hopeful because God has proven throughout time that no matter who or what comes against the church as his primary instrument for the expansion of his kingdom, they don't last. Uh, I'm currently preaching through the book of Acts Mm -hmm. at my church, and I am having a ball watching the master's plan play out. Mm -hmm. Most recently we preached through... Acts chapter 8, and we saw persecution lead to revival (laughs) by forcing everybody except for the apostles to leave Jerusalem, and then revival breaks out in Samaria. Mm. And then the gospel is pushed forward in that same chapter 
in the conversion of the Ethiopian eunuch mm-hmm. to uttermost. Wow. Mm-hmm. And so when you really, really believe what God has said, what God has done, and what God has proven, it's completely absurd to ever give up on the church. Amen. My hope for the church rests in the reality that it is God's idea yep. and not man's. Thank you. So Amen. Good. Thank you. Brian, let's just yeah. ask you the same question. Yeah. I love those answers. Uh, <laughs> I Here's what I think about this. It, very hopeful. I was going to say no just to mess with Brian. <laughs> <laughs> just because, you know, he needs to be messed with this guy. Yeah, this guy definitely. gets away with way too much, yeah, by does. the way. So, but Apparently uh, my, my wife called him before the show. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> That's what she, she told me to take care of some business. So very hopeful for the church. It's interesting. I think every pastor I know that gets asked this question is going to say yes. But we all, so many people talk like no. Mm-hmm. So that's what really ticks me off. I, I, I get mad that we think it's so different now. Mm-hmm. I love how you said um, it's not a, it, it's, it's God's idea. Yeah. Right. And, and I had written down what you were talking that, you know, it's always been people. Mm-hmm. He asked people to lead this thing. So it's always been messy. Mm-hmm. It's been through so many, every time people act like 2022 in America is so bad, I'm just like, it's all like, have you read the Bible? Like, it's mm. terrible. Like, we've always been rescued from this terrible place that has so much sin and corruption and all these things. And so I get annoyed, as you can tell, with podcasts or blogs or even radio mm. shows that will say yes to this question, but then talk about all these things that are just so bad. I don't, mm. like, they're new. Mm. I think it's very arrogant. I think it's very American. To think that it's all new to us, this is all new. All these problems are so new. Can you believe what we're going through? And like, well, yeah, it, it's just not new at all. So I think we need to stop thinking we're so different. I think we just need to reach people. I think about the guys that I coach baseball with. I think about the guys in our block. I think about the guys and girls at my gym. Dude, they need Jesus. They still need hope and community and love, mm-hmm. and yeah. that hasn't changed. And the church is the hope of the world. The church is the place where they're going to find that. And I just sometimes I have to climb away from pastor world. That's why I love going to a gym. I love coaching baseball because you get out of pastor world and you're like, oh, these are just regular people who need Jesus. Yeah. They're not doing all these conferences and all these conversations. They just they just want to go somewhere and find hope. Mm. And and so the church, Christ Church, the progress, like the bridge. Who cares about the name, man? We've all got to be doing that. The hope mm-hmm. for the world is that our churches in America, let's say in our context, we've got to reach people. We've got to evangelize, and we have mm-hmm. to invite. When they come, they have to actually like being there and not mm-hmm. think we're just crazy, weird people. I'll end with this story. We had a baptism weekend <laughs> a few weeks ago, and uh, I got to baptize this kid. I have to be careful how I tell the story. Uh, but end of the day, a teenage boy from the city of Chicago, and we have a Chicago campus, and, and just involved in his brother's death uh, mm. a few years ago, who was mm. 13 at the time. Oof. Really, really sad deal. Oh. And I'm sorry, a, a year ago is when he died. His first time back at church was Easter, the boy who was kind of involved in it. And his sister forgave him in the back of our church. So I preached that day at that campus, and I go around the back, and everybody's crying. I'm like, what's the deal? This is Easter. You know, it's mostly guests. <laughs> and they're all crying. And, and someone says, well, the sister just forgave him for his involvement. I'm so I'm crying. Well, two weeks later, we do a baptism weekend. That's just where we preach. Hey, if you've never been baptized because you're a follower or you want to become a follower and do it right now, let's mm-hmm. do it. And this one service, the second service in our context, we had 24 people come up who hadn't planned on being baptized at that service. There were like 118 total, but I'm a numbers guy. But 24 <laughs> come up and like eight guys in, I look up and there's this kid. 
And I lost it. Yeah. And, and, and right. I, so he gets in. I ask him one of the questions, are, do you know you're a sinner? You know? And he says yes, and he's just crying. And we have this mm. picture now of the two of us. We're just bawling. Mm. And, I, and I remember feeling so unworthy to do this. You right. said something like that earlier. I mean, why do I get to have anything to do right. with this kid Coming to Jesus, getting out of gangs. I remember looking at him. I said, you, you're done, right? This is it. This is it, right, buddy? And he said, yeah, I'm, I'm all in. I said, all right, then let's do this. And then I fell apart again. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that hasn't changed. Like, COVID didn't stop this, you guys. Mm. That happened during COVID. Yeah, so, like, true. come on. Of course it's hopeful. Yeah. But you got to get out there and get after it. Stop whining and thinking it's so bad. Just go after it. Because the hope of the world's there. Let's do it. It's a good word, man. Oh, such a good word. Brian Nelson, Romel Williams, Tara Beth Leach. Thank you thank for you being guys. here This is awesome today. to be here. Thank you. Love you guys. It's been awesome. so incredible. Hey, Brian and I'll be back from 4 to 6 p.m. tomorrow for Brian Fromm. And for all of these incredible pastors here and for the Lyft Conference, I'm Aubrey Sampson. You've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn with in-depth interviews archival footage and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines i just felt like i was drowning flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost available now watch it today go to salemnow.com salemnow.com